He's 217 years old, and he's still going. His secret? He only eats table scraps. Has since he was just a pup. Oh, by the way, Bobby is 217 in dog years. He just celebrated last week. Bobby is a Portuguese breed known as the Referro de Alentano. They're famous for their use in protecting livestock. And now for being the oldest dog in history, 31 years old and still going strong. He only eats human food and has thrived in what his owner, Lionel Costa, has described as a calm and peaceful environment. So go ahead, let your dog clean the plate after dinner. Maybe yours will break the record next. Long life. We celebrate it when we see it. Why? Because eternity has been set in our hearts and we yearn for everlasting life. Jesus gives that to us. We don't need a regimen of food and drink, just faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Welcome to Haven Today on Thursday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is our fourth day at a series we're calling Into the Wardrobe. It's been a special week for me traveling back to C.S. Lewis's Narnia. And in a moment, we're going to hear a couple of more excerpts from the special radio drama coming out of the Chronicles of Narnia. We're also going to examine how Lewis used these so-called children's stories to teach young and old alike truths from the Bible. I spoke with the writer and the director of the radio theater drama about that very idea. He stated very clearly that his purpose in telling these stories was first and foremost to tell good stories. But more than that, even if people experience the stories as stories, then hopefully it's a good experience for them. But the deeper thing was, they're going to experience a good story that's going to point them to Christ. But what does it all mean? It means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. He was very evangelistic in his thinking, but what he did was he did both things. He didn't sacrifice the story for the message, which is often, too often, something that we're tempted to do. We we get so busy preaching, we forget the story we're trying to tell. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. He wanted both to work equal so that if nothing else, people would finish it and even if they didn't catch on to the fact that the stone table scene was basically a representation of Christ on the cross, well, great, they've still read a good story. And if the witch is to be finally defeated before bedtime, we must find the battle at once. But what he really believed was that ultimately they would would catch on. And he did it in a way that used sort of a fairy tale motif to quicken the imagination, to bring it alive, to make us think sideways. Sideways is kind of a word I've been using a lot lately when I think about storytelling and about... Mm -hmm. Uh, how we do what we do as storytellers, that a lot of times the most effective way 
to come at something is coming at it sideways, not head on. And Lewis employed that through his stories too. He could come at it kind of head on, but more often than not, he came sideways with other characters and other plot lines that would highlight the life and work of Jesus. Look lively and sort yourself. Writer, director, Paul McCusker, who brought the Narnia stories to life for Focus on the Family's radio theater. Our marketing director was telling me she listened to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in her car, and when she got home from work, she couldn't get out of the car until she completed a scene. That's how powerful this 19-CD audio production is, and it's a great way to introduce God's truth to you as well as people you love and know. C.S. Lewis wrote these books with Christian themes, so it's a great way to start conversations with children and adults about the great story that's all about Jesus. As you listen, I believe it'll resonate with your faith in Christ and bring you much joy. So for your minimum gift, I want to send you a special collector's tin that contains all seven original stories on 19 CDs, nearly 22 hours of listening, as our thanks for your gift that supports our efforts to share Christ Jesus on hundreds of stations as well as over the Internet. After the program, just call us. Ask for the Chronicles of Narnia radio drama. The number is 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or go to our website, listen to samples from the production, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And I would like to invite you to pray about becoming a monthly partner, a haven partner. This is somebody that agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing Jesus with others. Ask about that when you call us, becoming a haven partner, or read about it when you go online. Now, let's keep going with the program. We're joined by Keith and Kristen Getty from their album, Facing a Task Unfinished. Are you thirsty?
Their song, Living Waters, Keith and Kristen Getty, friends of mine. This is Haven Today in a program called Into the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles to help children see Jesus as he really is. He created this imaginary world where they could meet Jesus in disguise and learn to love him. Lewis got lots of letters from children who wrote to ask if Aslan was indeed intended to be like Jesus, and he answered them all with a resounding yes. One boy wrote and asked, is he meant to be the Lion of Judah? And Lewis responded, yes, he is. You've got it. Exactly. In The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, that's the third book in the Chronicles, he lets his readers know that the resemblance between Aslan and Jesus was no accident. He has Aslan appear to the children as a lamb first, but then as a lion, towering over them, scattering light from his mane. Lucy asks him when they can come back to Narnia, and Aslan has to tell her very gently, though, that she must return to her own world and never come back. And Lucy sobs. It isn't Narnia, you know. It's you. We shan't meet you there. How can we live never meeting you? you. And Aslan tells her, you shall meet me, dear one, but there I have another name. You must learn to know me by that name. And of course, the name Lewis was talking about is Jesus, both the lion and the lamb. He's the unavoidable king of creation who will one day roar us into his presence to give an account of ourselves, but he's also the lamb, the one who quietly laid down his life so we might live. He's crying out to the world even right now. Come to me if you're thirsty. I'll give you living water to drink so you can live forever. But the invitation comes with a warning. There's no other source of life. You must come to me, Jesus. If you refuse to come, you'll die of thirst. It's a very hard truth to swallow especially in our many roads to truth culture we live in today. If you listen between the lines of our public conversations, there's an assumption that there are many ways to quench our spiritual thirst. We're told we must afford the same respect to all spiritual beliefs by treating them all as if they were valid. It sounds intolerant to our pluralistically conditioned ears for Jesus to say he is the only way to life. It creates a crisis just like it did when Jesus explained to the woman he met at Jacob's well in John 4. He told her, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Anyone who drinks the water coming out of this well becomes thirsty again. But the water I give will take your thirst away and it'll become a perpetual spring within you, bubbling up to eternal life. Only Jesus has the water. You have to come to him if you want to satisfy your spiritual thirst. If you've been avoiding him, and I know many of us have, if you've been trying to satisfy your thirst in other ways, you just need to give up. Christ Jesus is your only hope. And that's what the little girl Jill finally had to face in another book of Lewis's from Narnia called The Silver Chair. She arrives in Aslan's country very, very thirsty. She hears the sound of running water, and she follows the sound till she finds the stream described as bright as glass. But to her great dismay, she sees a lion lying between her 
and the stream where she can satisfy her thirst. Jill eventually came to an open glade and saw the stream, bright as glass, running across the turf a stone's throw away from her. But although the sight of the water made her feel ten times thirstier than before, she didn't rush forward and drink. She stood as still as if she'd been turned into stone, with her mouth wide open. And she had a very good reason. Just on this side of the stream lay the lion, with its head raised and its two forepaws out in front of it. She knew at once that it had seen her, for its eyes looked straight into hers for a moment and then turned away, as if it knew her quite well and didn't think much of her. If you're thirsty, you may drink. What? If you're thirsty, come and drink. Uh, Are you not thirsty? I'm dying of thirst. Then drink. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do? All right. Do you promise not to do anything to me if I do come? I make no promise. Then, oh dear, I mean, I'm so thirsty, you see, and do you eat girls? Oh, I've swallowed up. Girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms. I daren't come and drink. Then you will die of thirst. Oh dear. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion. No one who'd seen his stern face could do that. And her mind suddenly made itself up. It was the worst thing she ever had to do. But she went forward to the stream, knelt down, and began scooping up water in her hand. It was the coldest, most refreshing water she'd ever tasted. That's a scene from the radio drama that we have for you called The Chronicles of Narnia. And that moment was from the book The Silver Chair, written by C.S. Lewis here on Haven Today, and a program series this week, Into the Wardrobe. There is only one stream, we just learned. The lord of that stream isn't bargaining or compromising or accommodating your preferences. Jill said she might as well have asked the mountain to move as ask the lion to move for her convenience. The offer to drink freely of the living water is open to everyone. But if you want it, you have to come to him and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, your Lord. When you bow to drink, you bow to worship the one at whose name every knee will one day bow. You can't take the water and avoid the lion. He will swallow you up. He will claim you and everything in your life is his own. Those are his terms. But the water is life-giving and totally free that he provides. 
The Lord makes it clear in Isaiah that there's nothing you have to pay, no qualifications you must meet. Isaiah 55, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Go back and read that again later today, maybe before you go to sleep tonight. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Why don't you come? Is it because you think he's going to eat you for lunch? After all, he is not a tame lion, we've learned. Are you just too stubborn? Maybe too independent? Oh, but you are so thirsty. What do you do? You just need to come like Jill finally did. Come and drink. Jesus is the great thirst quencher. You never realize how thirsty you are until you come to him. You never realize what a parched, joyless world you live in until you come to the waters and drink. Even believers get stuck holding on to what we think we want and refusing to drink. We get stuck in our stubborn, lion-avoiding paths until we just can't seem to move and go on anymore. And then we come, and we wonder why we waited so long. Because there are hardly words to describe the relief of tasting this special water that only the Lord gives. And this is how Jill described it. It was the coldest, most refreshing water she had ever tasted. You don't need to drink much of it for it quenched your thirst at once. Well, Jesus will not agree to let you drink from any other stream. He knows they won't satisfy your thirst. As he told the woman at the well, you'll thirst again. But he welcomes you and me and the woman at the well with open arms to come and drink from his stream. But don't wait too long. In Revelation 22, Jesus says he's coming soon, and then he issues his final invitation. Remember it? I think you've probably heard it. Revelation 22:17. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after
song based on Psalm 42, As the Deer, by Kathy Tricoli, on a haven today called Into the Wardrobe. You know, I get a little sad when I meet people who seem numb to the story of Jesus, even some Christians, including myself from time to time. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia for people like us, if you fall into that camp. He imagines the story of Jesus in a completely different world. I think these stories will help you get past the watchful dragons of familiarity, as Lewis called them, so that you can more clearly see the truth and the goodness and the beauty of Jesus. Well, that's one of the reasons that I really want to send you the 19-disc audio drama of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. It is entertaining. It was recorded in London with cinema-quality sound, an all-star cast of actors from stage and screen. But all that aside, all seven of these Narnia stories are filled with gospel truths that'll resonate with your faith. They'll bring joy to your heart. And we've been hearing from so many people across Canada and the United States, Linda in Washington, writing in to say she was getting the set that comes in a collector's tin for her unbelieving husband. And she's praying he will be moved to know and love Jesus as I do. Well, Linda, we're praying for you and your husband. What about you? Why don't you call us right now? Why don't you make your minimum gift more if you can, and we'll send you this audio drama with over 22 hours of gospel-centered entertainment. And the number you can call right now is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or go online and listen to samples from the production and make your gift then at haventoday.org haventoday.org. And I want to invite you, if you haven't, to become a Haven Partner. This is somebody that agrees to pray for us regularly and give automatically monthly to help share Jesus with others, not just where you live, but all over the world. Ask about becoming a Haven Partner when you call us. Read about it when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Today.
Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you've ever watched sports, then you know a good underdog story. The weaker, slower, worse team somehow defies the odds to take down the juggernaut. David and Goliath is the model. Despite being a small and seemingly insignificant shepherd boy, David believed in the Lord. Goliath fell. It points us to Jesus Christ. He conquered sin and death on the cross. The Goliath of our sin held us captive. The greater David set us free. Like David, we can stand strong in the face of adversity, knowing that Christ fights for us and is always with us. But at the end of the day, it's Jesus Christ who gives us the ultimate victory and hope for all eternity. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.